0: Here. We. Go.
1: That's outstanding. Like a farmer in his feet.
2: Well, if that isn't some juicy content.
1: Indeed. Circle gets the swing.
2: I'm gonna pull some fast gotcha questions.
1: Carry on, James. Carry on.
2: You know what, Craig? That's a good call.
1: It is another edition, and not just any edition,
2: the pre-show edition
1: of the Channel Futures podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. I'm the editorial director of Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, our news editor, Mr. Anderson, Mr. James Anderson. James, how are you?
2: What's good, people of the world, Craig?
1: I am one of those... People of the world, for sure. I am very excited about the Channel Partners Conference and Expo and co-located MSP Summit. It's coming up next week, my friend, the live in-person event in Las Vegas. Can you believe it? Can you believe we made it?
2: I cannot, man. Time is uh, going by fast. And before you know it, we'll be there.
1: What is time, really?
2: I've spent my life trying to answer that question, but uh, (laughs) it's going to have to wait for
1: now. Uh, right around the corner. So tell me, uh, I'm sure our loyal casties have been gearing up for the event themselves. They'll be jumping on an airplane very soon, or if they're close, they might be driving to it. Uh, tell me what you've been doing, James. I'm sure the world wants to know what you, James Anderson, have been doing to prepare for this big event. Yeah,
2: I mean, this might qualify as a personal deep dive, well, um, kind of. but I have been working on solving my GERD problems back in October well no back in uh, back in August the doctor actually banned me from alcohol um, because alcohol and caffeine apparently were triggering my acid reflux so that's going to be a problem for me at the show if I can't get that fixed in time but yeah I've, I've been slowly weaning myself back onto beer and uh, it's going well. And I think uh, I think my tolerance is rising, both both from a mental and, and from a GERD perspective. So I'm, I'm training that body up for, you know, a, a, a grueling week, but a yeah, fun week.
1: You, you might want to get in a little exercise as well. I mean, for you're going to be doing a lot of walking in Vegas, standing. Uh, you know, you're going to want your body to be in, in physically fit shape as well.
2: Oh yes, Craig. I've been speed walking. I, I try to hit the hit the the streets uh, a couple times a week. You know, uh, work those glutes. And you know, you, you don't want to run because you, you're not going to run the industry. But you, but you're going to have to speed walk. And, and uh, the next phase of my training is to start doing it. Um, you know, in, in my business shoes, and it's going to look a little bit weird to my neighbors. But this looks like a job for speed Walker. It's it's
1: part of training. It's part of the deal. It's part of the deal for sure. Yeah, I've been doing some of the same. I, I haven't gotten on the scale yet, though. I'm going to do that uh, really soon. And then just maybe the last three or four days here before the event. Uh, if I need to do a crash uh, starvation diet uh, to fit into my pants, then maybe I will.
2: <laughs> oh, Craig. Oh, Craig. I'm hoping. I hope you want to do that, man.
1: I'm hoping it's it's not too not too bad. How about work wise? Uh, you're gearing up for uh, a lot of things. You're going to be doing at the show, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, you know, you're starting to put those interviews together. We got our, our our big schedule of all the stuff I'm supposed to cover, all the stories supposed to cover, all the panels I'm moderating and whatnot. I just got that from you. Thanks for giving me that schedule, Craig. So oh, of course. Lots of organizational stuff going on right now, and yeah, it's going to be a good time. What about you? What, what have you got going on at, uh, at CPLV?
1: Well, uh, equally, I'm going to be uh, all over the place like you, going to be on the keynote stage a couple of times. You and I are both going to be in the Channel Partners Theater in the X-Ball, so that's going to be fun. Uh I've been working on schedules uh you've probably seen a lot of these uh video chats i've been doing ahead of the event Uh, we've been getting those up on both channel futures and on the channel partners conference and expo and msp summit sites uh so it's been really busy as usual and uh i'm just gonna get now into the zone of cp expo here in the next few days
2: watch out everybody when craig's in the zone there is no stopping him
1: (laughs) all right so In addition to that being an amazing event coming up next week, we have an amazing podcast ahead of us, two more fantastic guests, uh, but we're going to have the CP Expo preview of all CP Expo previews coming up in what we call the B block in the business Uh, that's after the first interview. It's a preview with a twist.
2: Ooh, and there's going to be a juicy executive interview. I sat down with Ian Kieniger, uh CEO of Avant, earlier this month uh, to talk about some of the trends we're seeing in the broker channel. And I think that's going to be pretty exciting. Some, some good information for you, I, I should say.
1: Yeah, looking forward to hearing that for sure. And a caveat with that. Uh, I, as the uh, producer of these podcasts, uh, you might be surprised to hear we do not have a ginormous staff of people who are working on this, uh, but I've been a bit slow. So you went to that uh, Avant Special Forces event here a little while back, uh, and we haven't uh, gotten that interview on the podcast yet until now. Uh, so I don't want people to think that they have somehow jumped backward in time. This was just me being slow and everything else that we are getting ready for the big show.
2: Well, heavy are the many hats that you wear, Craig. So I'm sure <laughs> the casties will will give you a no shame on that. I hope so. I, I hope that's the case. But uh, but before all that, Craig, I, I'm led to believe that we have a special treat for this episode The return of where in the world is
1: Edward Gately? That's right. Again, Ed is at home for this one, but he's going to be getting back on the road a lot more very soon, including next week. Uh, This is a great interview. It's actually a preview of uh, CP Expo. He's talking with John Yannarelli, who is a former FBI special agent. They really exist. They're not just on TV, James.
2: Ooh.
1: Yeah. He's going to be talking all about cybersecurity and what the FBI does in this realm. We'll, of course, have the session time and other details on the landing page of this podcast. So you can check that out and know what time to be there. You know, Ed's going to go inside the mind of cyber criminals via this interview with John Yannarelli. Going to be a great preview of this session at CP Expo.
2: Ooh, now normally I'd like to say that all partners in the channel are special agents to me, <laughs> um, but uh, John sounds like a great guy.
1: Yeah, let's get into it.
0: This is Edward Gately, news editor at Channel Futures, and I'm here with former FBI special agent John, John Yurelli. He's now a speaker, consultant, and national TV news contributor. During his Channel Partners conference and expo session titled Cybersecurity for Business, Perspectives from a Former FBI Special Agent on November 2nd, John will examine the most common ways businesses are vulnerable to a cyber attack and how they can protect themselves and their customers. How are you doing, John?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: That's great. Definitely. Okay, so my first question is cyber attacks are everywhere and cyber criminals are becoming increasingly aggressive and sophisticated. Can you give us a glimpse into the mind of today's cyber criminal?
3: The problem with cyber crime today is the generation that we're seeing has grown up with technology. Long gone are the days where the typical criminal will think of picking up a gun as opposed to a computer mouse. They can sit behind the computer hack in, and steal far more money than they could ever get from a bank robbery. That's going to be the future for businesses, and it's something we have to be prepared to address.
0: And now, can you give us some examples of actual FBI cases involving cybercrime and how those kind of turned out?
3: So, cybercrime is prevalent, and it is one of the main focuses of the FBI. Right now, the FBI is receiving about 22,000 complaints a month from businesses that have been victims of cybercrime, That's just the businesses that took the time to call the FBI. Many companies decide we're gonna write off the loss. Some companies aren't even aware they've been a victim. So it is something that every business needs to be concerned with. And it's not just the actor outside that decides they're gonna target your company. Sometimes it's the employee within that decides they're gonna jump ship and go elsewhere. Even worse, A lot of times it's the employee who doesn't even know they're helping to facilitate a crime. Sony was a great example of that. 40,000 employees, one employee clicked on a link that downloaded malware. Next thing you know, North Korea has access to Sony's complete computer system.
0: How should businesses of all sizes be responding to this growing threat? And are there lessons to be learned from uh, recent attacks?
3: So one of the things in business to be aware of, I deal with a lot of small or medium-sized companies say, hey, nobody's going to want to target us. They're going to go after the big boys where all the money is. And the answer to that is wrong, because cyber criminals know these large Fortune 500 companies have a lot of money to spend on security. The small to medium-sized business is more worried about just staying in business, and they're not spending money on ways other than how to make money. Cyber criminals are specifically targeting these companies. So what we've learned from the FBI is the small and medium sized business has to be aware of the threats and you have to take some steps to try to keep yourself safe.
0: Are a lot of businesses, particularly small businesses, are they sort of like minimizing what could be the impact of of an attack and, and therefore not taking the appropriate action that they should?
3: So small businesses, medium sized businesses, They may be aware that attacks are occurring, they're hoping that it doesn't happen to them, and if it does happen, they have legal responsibilities. The government, believe me, will come after you even if you've been a victim if you don't do the right thing. If you're hacked, your customer information is compromised legally, you have to report it and you have to provide protection after the fact credit monitoring, making the consumer whole if they've suffered losses. All of that can be terribly expensive if you don't take the steps in advance to try to prevent it from happening. The analogy I use is, you don't have to worry about protecting from everything. You just gotta be a little safer than the next guy. You and I go for a hike in the woods and a bear comes along, I don't have to outrun the bear, just you. Make sure you're a little better off than your competitor.
0: I wonder, are there possibly just just simple things or, or inexpensive things that businesses could be doing? They could, you know, that they may not be aware of, helping them better protect themselves.
3: Absolutely, none of this is about spending lots of money to try to have sophisticated cyber mechanisms in place. First and foremost, just employ education. Make them aware of what the threats are. You walk around your office, I guarantee you, the typical employee has never heard of the business email compromise, yet that's the number one scam affecting businesses today. Make them aware that people are hacking in and creating email addresses to look like legitimate email addresses. So, for example, some employee who handles finance may get an email from the boss, but it turns out it actually is not the boss, just a pretend email. The way to protect against that, make sure that if you see something suspicious, an unusual request, you got to pick up the phone and check it. Likewise, any financial transfers done online at all, wires, etc., make sure you don't rely on just email instructions. You have to have phone verification. Those two simple practices will keep you safe from most cyber threats.
0: This year has already been crazy, we, are, we know that. Um, what are we likely to see in the months ahead? Are things likely to get
3: even worse? Cyber is continuing to evolve in the arena of crime. More and more ways are being developed. The problem is law enforcement is very responsive. We react to what has occurred. The cyber criminal pivots and comes up with the next best thing. Remember just a few years ago with the chip on your credit card was supposed to solve all credit card fraud? Well, that certainly hasn't happened. Why? Because cyber criminals are one step ahead. They looked at that and said, ah, that we can compromise credit cards in a different form. So we're always responding to what's taking place. That's why you have to be alert. You have to be on the watch for what's happening to keep yourself safe.
0: What are you hoping attendees can learn and make use of from your session?
3: What I'm going to speak about are the latest threats, the things you probably don't know that's out there, practical answers to how to protect against those threats to keep your business safe. Guaranteed, those who attend are going to be so much far ahead of their competition and others just by listening to what I have to say.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks for your time, John, and looking forward to your session.
3: Fantastic.
0: I look forward to being there.
1: All right. Really good stuff there, James. Love that interview uh, with John Yannarelli. Ed, of course, always does a great job. Uh, A lot of things there that partner businesses need to be thinking about that uh, can slip through the cracks in terms of cybersecurity when their customers are hit with ransomware or any other type of attack.
2: Yeah, there's so much he said about training employees as well, because that's such a big aspect of this, of um, the the damage uh, a negligent employee can do. And um, that's scary stuff. But all this we know is more manageable if this customer's partner is well prepared.
1: All right, James. So we did a similar CP Expo preview uh, that we're about to give our castees about two or three years ago on this podcast, but it has been a while uh, this is what we call the preview for millennials, uh, a lightning round of content, if you will, from the very beginning to the very end. Uh, Craig? Uh, yes, James?
2: Uh, do I have to talk to HR again about uh, about your millennial stereotypes? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, well, we don't have to read things that quickly. I mean, we, we do have, sh- I mean, maybe shorter attention spans, but, uh, you know. You can go a little in depth on the various sessions, and I'll I'll humor you. And uh, you know, millennials are pretty old now, so it's those Zoomers you gotta you gotta be thinking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, so how about we say it's a, it's a preview for Gen Z? That way we're not insulting you.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm happy to to move that on to a different scapegoat. That's good with me.
1: Okay, here we go. Are you ready, James?
2: I am ready, Craig.
1: Now, we're not covering absolutely everything in the conference here, but we are covering the conference education sessions and the keynotes. From beginning to end, put time on the clock. This is the CP Expo Preview Lightning Round. MSP Summit Keynote Welcome to the MSP Summit.
2: MSP Summit Keynote Demystifying Zero Trust and its Role in Cybersecurity.
1: MSP Masterminds Exploring New Possibilities. How to Become Authority in Your Network. To pay or not to pay, the ransomware threat, and MSPs. Clearing the fog to focus on the bigger picture. Grow cloud MRR with managed desktop as a service.
2: MSP Summit, welcome back. Accelerating the road to recurring revenue.
1: The MSP 2021-501. Meet today's influencers and innovative leaders.
2: The revenue engine of the future. Welcome to the new sales and marketing revolution.
1: What is the Internet of Behaviors, and why should you care?
2: Channel m a How to achieve maximum value.
1: Exploring new possibilities, the channel's long journey continues. Cybersecurity in a 5G world. The hero effect, creating a culture of heroes at every level.
2: 5G channel trends, beyond the hype and into reality.
1: Evolving your business in the age of cloud acceleration and digital transformation. How to get the leads you need. Selling to the CIO, digital disruption with the hybrid workforce.
2: Bridging the Gap, how MSPs can build out a UCAS practice.
1: Cybersecurity for business. Perspectives from a former FBI
2: special agent. Improving the customer journey with intelligent virtual agents.
1: Leading through innovation.
2: The tech telco tipping point. Get your business ready for the decade of the ecosystem.
1: Partnerships change the world.
2: The edge of glory. Meet today's channel superstars.
1: Everything your customers
2: won't tell you. How to keep customers safe and operations running in a post-pandemic world.
1: You see infrastructure services in a changing world.
2: Using mentoring and advisory as a tool to attract diverse talent.
1: Behind the curtain of security operations.
2: Disruptive business models and their impact on growth communications is next.
1: Fifth generation mobility, the next disruptive technology.
2: Getting partnerships right, what they don't
1: teach. Getting to the next level. Creating financial value for agents.
2: Boba's bold predictions on sales and growth in a post-pandemic market.
1: The Edge of Glory. Meet today's channel superstars again.
2: Cloud spending will continue to dominate in
1: 2022. The Ultimate Channel Power Panel.
2: Get Sassy with Sassy. Cloud security opportunities for modernizing the network.
1: The Seven Deadly Sins of Sales and Marketing Alignment and How to Fix Them.
2: The science behind productive
1: partnerships. What elastic customer services and why call centers are adopting it.
2: The Verizon Partner Network, forward together and why now is the
1: time. What's in a name? The rebranding of master agents.
2: The channel influencers, lessons and in impact. And finally, Penn & Teller,
1: an exclusive live performance.
0: Ooh.
1: We did it, my friend. We did it.
2: Wow. That's, that is that is going to be a lot of walking for you and me.
1: And that was just the keynotes and the conference sessions. I mean, we didn't even include any of the networking, the VIP sessions. Uh, you just go down the list. It's it's jam-packed. It's going to be four days of channel goodness, my friend.
2: I mean, a veritable smorgasbord, if one is to, to use the term.
1: Oh, I think that's the uh, second podcast in a row you've dropped the word smorgasbord. Have I? That. Have I? Wow, I don't know if that's good or bad. You do have some Scandinavian ancestry with the name uh, Anderson, but I think that's more of a, a Swedish term, is it not?
2: Uh, it, it it might be for some. I actually have Finnish roots. Oh, uh, you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh. Uh, actually, it, we, we were the Rwandas, and, and my uh, great-great-great-great-something grandfather was... Uh, Anders Brwanda and he just decided to make us to Andersen's oh, so, fun just, fact I
1: Thank. just pegged you as a Dane since uh you, you were an Anderson It went with Hans Christian Andersen all that kind of stuff you know what oh
2: I mean great guy as far as I am aware uh great great storyteller so um I hope I can be Christian Hans Ander- Hans Hans Christian Andersen for the channel
1: <laughs> you are my friend you are for sure
2: uh, Craig, so speaking of events, can I talk about uh, some of my recent travels and how that went?
1: Oh, heck yeah. I'd be lo- I'd love to hear about it.
2: Yeah, so I was, I was one of the many people that attended the Avant Special Forces uh, a couple weeks back, a few weeks back, and uh, that was a good time. Uh, people had a lot of fun. I think for a lot of people, it did whet their appetite for live events, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. And, and uh, in a little bit, I'm going to show you an interview that I did with Ian Keener about both the show and the trends he's seeing in the brokerage space.
1: Wanna hear it? Yeah, I would absolutely love to hear it. I just wanna expound on that a little bit. Yeah, knowing that uh, that was well attended and it it went off very well, uh, according to you, not to steal your thunder or any, but uh, that uh, bodes well for our event next week. And I I think we're gonna have a a huge turnout uh, in Vegas. So uh, eager to hear this interview with Ian, no doubt uh, covering some trends and uh, some things that uh, all of our partners in our audience will want to know.
2: So Craig, you'll notice that uh, we in this conversation did not talk about Avant's private equity investment from Pamlico Capital. That's something that came uh, around into into the public eye after we had done this interview. So I will be remiss if I did not touch on that. that uh, Yvonne has taken some funding from this Charlotte, North Carolina based investment firm, uh, they say is gonna go to help uh, build their tooling, their platform, help them expand and help them uh, give their partners more support. Um, And you can kind of get a sense from this conversation between Ian and myself of uh, the ambitions of this company to move up market to tackle the enterprise and, and to get its partners taking on larger and larger companies so yeah i and i had a great conversation and uh let's
1: let's roll the tape um did you record this on a cassette
2: yep i take that cassette with me everywhere <laughs> I, I record it on vinyl is that
1: that's a thing right uh, yeah, I, th- I think it would be difficult for you to actually record it on vinyl. Uh, I think they have to do that in a factory or something, but uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get to it.
2: Hey everyone, I'm pleased to be joined by Ian Heeniger, the founder and CEO of Vaunt. Ian, how are you doing today?
4: Fantastic. I'm uh, excited and pumped up because we're on day three of our Special Forces Summit, which we've been super excited how many people actually came and attended in person. and how many people are actually online as well. So pulling off a in-person and virtual event at the same time is no easy feat, but yeah, it's doing yeah, well.
2: What's sort of the breakdown of the online participants?
4: Yeah, so we we saw, we had about 850 people here in person mm-hmm. and approximately another 700 to 900 in any given time online. So we had a really good participation there. We were happy with that. Um, you know, I think if it was a non-COVID error, probably would have doubled. or not tripled our in-person capacity Um, but you know we dealt with we had to deal with and we put it together and I think it pulled off really well so far yeah that's encouraging to hear
2: now today you were up on the main stage and had a a lot you had a lot of screen time Um, so there's a lot to go into but uh, you were talking about some of the trends that are seem to be making or, or that seem to be coming from some of the top trusted advisors in Avon's ecosystem. Um, just wanna delve into a couple of those. One is you're saying that more trusted advisors are starting to charge for their time. What was that number, what are sort of the trends involved in that?
4: Yeah, so we're tracking our top partners and we're looking for best practices across uh, the whole spectrum of what they're doing, what's making them great, looking for trends to share with everybody else, everybody wants to know what are the best guys doing. And there's a combination of what people are bringing as value and how they're also going up market at the same time. And so as you get into larger enterprise accounts, there's more at risk, meaning there's more time being spent working on deals, uh, the length of time, the investment of resources. And if those deals don't come to fruition, uh, it can be a long time for the next one to come around or to get paid, quite honestly. So we're seeing more trusted advisors be consultative. So they're driving a consultative conversation putting statements of work of hourly time or investment into the project. Not in every case, they're charging for their time, but they're definitely using that as a way to place value on their time. And I think the enterprise account absolutely wants to see that. Small business, maybe not so much, but as you go up market, there's an expectation that the type of quality of company you are that you need to put a value on your time so that they put a value on you as well. So it's a best practice we're seeing across the world. And it's also a great way for these trust advisors to create cash flow up front as they build residuals and to hedge against the risk of potentially a deal not coming to fruition for a lot of different reasons. So it's a good strategy in terms of kind of hedging cash flow, but it's also creating value in the eyes of the decision maker. Cool. Do you have any sense
2: of what that – might be like, would it be like the initial consultation? You're charging for that versus, or you're not charging for that versus? Um, is there? A, do you have a sense of how that might differ from?
4: Yeah, so an analogy would be when you buy solutions, sometimes there's a setup fee and installation fee, then an ongoing, reoccurring fee. Mm-hmm. So people are applying the same approach to say, hey, you know, for fifty thousand dollars or what, a hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to go through. I'm going to look at what you're doing, create an evaluation process, give you a nice output that you can take to the board and make a decision. And then, by the way, I'm getting paid by the provider to be here for you in the long run. So a lot of times customers love to hear that there's a residual model in place because that means the trusted advisor is incentivized to make them happy year over year, not a one-and-gun type of sales engagement model. So the combination of the two, I think, are working really well, and it's, it's, it's it's an approach that I think a lot of these larger customers, are, are, they want to see it, quite honestly. Like some of them don't want to work with you unless you're charging for their time because they're like, what are you up to? Like, why, why are you here? How are you not?
2: Yeah, I mean, and you had spoken, uh, you just mentioned um, going up market and there were some ambitious goals stated by Drew yesterday and expecting that an Avant partner is going to hit a $5 million MRR deal next year. And you're saying in your keynote today, it's time for us to move up market, uh, stop chasing those those small customers. Uh, Do you wanna elaborate on that a little bit?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's an absolute trend that larger customers are now willing to buy from and work with smaller, laser focused partners or what we're calling trusted advisors. And so as we continue to move forward in the evolution of this channel and the evolution of technology, we're seeing that Our trusted advisors are getting engaged in larger deals than they ever happen so we mine the data at the end customer level to kind of get a sense of how big they were and how often a trusted advisor was selling to them so we've seen year over year increased uh, penetration into larger quote-unquote billion dollar size firms and i see that trend continue to go in the right way there aren't many firms out there who can break down differences between UCAS or sd Wayne or SASE. It's it's a small group and, it, and that group really, res, a lot of them reside in this community, which is great. So I think they can demand the premium back to like charging upfront or value on their time, but I also think they can demand the audience of you know the big fortune 1000 customer at the same time. That's exciting.
2: Um, now, you and Drew, as you were uh, speaking to vendors on stage, you tended to, to ask them, what their play with Microsoft was. Did they view Microsoft as a a threat or as an opportunity that was with Evolve IP and Zoom and and, and 8x8? Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about what trends led you to be asking that question?
4: Yeah, you know, Microsoft is an 800-pound gorilla in IT, right? In this channel community in which we live and participate, we don't have great access to them. Meaning they don't have residual channel models for us to plug into and go to market. Their, their channel models are built for the legacy VAR or LAR. And so they've been bringing a, you know, their team's product to market. They're talking about being more UCAS or voice centric. And so a lot of people are saying, wow, they're so large and they're everywhere and everybody has some version of their software. Do they have an advantage to go on the UCAS space? And so I probed that question to the UCAS providers to see if they're afraid of that. And the audience wants to know too, because if it all went in that direction, they would would dry up. There would be opportunities that they couldn't access anymore, because there could be a monopoly in terms of how that's going to be approached by Microsoft. But what's happening is Microsoft really is a software company at heart. They're not really a services organization. So, companies like Evolve IP, uh, Ring Central 8 Beta are all plugging into their platform. They're providing an enterprise and customer experience that Microsoft's not doing at this moment in time, which gives them a window of opportunity to go capitalize uh, where Microsoft's not focusing. And so, you saw a lot of these vendors spin the question back and say, hey, I'm not afraid of them. If anything, let's go partner, let's integrate, and let's move faster. Then you have someone like Zoom, where I think they're more interested in just, I think we can compete. We think our product's great, messaging's great, video's great, we think their UCAS uh, voice product's great. And I agree, it is good. So who's going to win this battle? I don't know, we're looking for predictions here, we're looking for trends. We're trying to understand how big this window is of, of absolute like growth in UCAS. As I showed also today, it's now our number one category. For the first time, it's it's a new category that took first place, which means I think there's a ton of tailwind there.
2: Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that. You were showing those numbers that uh, UCAS surpassed uh, connectivity. I think Was it last year or was it this year?
4: Yeah, it was last year. So uh, connectivity was never more than 50% of our business, but it was always the largest product category in itself. That comes from the heritage of this channel. You know, this channel's been around multiple decades, and it started in telco, and now is it's moving up market in terms of the type of technology they're gonna to bring to market, which is also exciting. But it was the first time in, in 12 years where we have a new leader and it's clearly Ucast. So we're selling more UCAS than anything else right now. I think it's a great time to continue to execute on that game plan. I think connectivity will always be there. It's a staple of what we do and you need it to connect the rest of the technology we're offering, but it's a part of the solution. It's not the solution anymore. And so we have so many more options. We're trying to figure out where we're placing our bets, where, like I said earlier, the tailwind is. And it's clearly UCAS has the most tailwind. So if you're going to walk on the street and sell a deal, I'd leave with UCAS at the moment. Right. And the compensation and the spiffs at the moment are insane. So it's a lot of money to be made in that space as well.
2: Yeah, talking about um, the portfolio as well, do you want to delve into a little bit of the security initiatives that Avant is on, trying to get partners to sell DRAS and and things of that nature?
4: Yeah, you know, security is a great conversation. I call it the no-duh category, meaning no-duh is huge. No-duh, like everybody needs it. It's on the front page of the newspaper all the time. But the problem is this channel, again, which we live in, doesn't have a really strong portfolio to take to market because it's so fragmented. There's MSSPs who manage pieces of security, there's endpoint solution security products. There's so many that it's hard to get your mind wrapped around how do I take a pro- productize what we're doing and take it to market in an efficient, efficient way. Because if we don't give the trusted advisors the confidence to open up the security question itself and be able to follow through with a great solution, they never will. If they're not confident they're gonna back out of that, they're gonna focus on connectivity or UCAS, right? And we wanna give them that. We wanna empower them with our tools. We're gonna curate a, a portfolio that's never been put together and we're gonna put it together in the right way. So when you get an opportunity, your batting average is much greater than 50%. It's more like 70 or 80%. So we've got some work to do there. And a lot of the work is Is going to be done on the supplier side finding the right ones who want to participate in our model and then avant and our trusted advisors need to make the investment in terms of the resources and people to go have great conversations with the decision makers
2: i love that and i know i could go through every single part of the technology portfolio but you did also mention an area of growth or excitement around wireless and iot do you, you mind talking a little bit about that about what it looks like to commercialize that
4: yeah so that's the question how do you commercialize that how do you take it to market and and way back in my career I used to run the mobility practice at CDW and it was all about activations. You know, ATT or singular back in the day or T-Mobile would pay big money for activating a line. Now the way that the compensation or the revenue model has changed is different now. There's still a little money there, but that's, that's a transactional concept. And so what we do know is there's going to be hundreds if not billions of endpoints, right? And someone needs to manage those endpoints, that IoT concept. And I hate buzzwords because buzzwords make it hard for me to understand what I'm going to go do on a daily basis with a customer. So we need to work to figure out how we create a more productized approach. And I overuse that word, but it it makes sense. Like I want to take a product or a solution to market. I want to show a case study around it. And then I need to monetize the conversation in a healthy way. I don't want to have the conversation just to have it. I want to place that business with a provider that's going to offer again compensation that'll make it worth our time in doing so. So I think that that segment is a little confusing and gray. So I, my, I guess my goal is to clean it up, find some better providers. Again, at Avant we create practices, so we take an entire practice to market, and that means we know the vendors, we get the right vendors back in it, we have good processes, the, the products are incredible, the engineering supports there. And now we're teaching people how to open doors and start a conversation. So we've got to fill that out. And IoT is kind of just uh, kind of going back and forth trying to figure out exactly what we need to take to market and how. And then where does it plug into our conversation? And so, again, another fragmented space. Our goal at Avant is to create fragmented ecosystems and connect them.
2: Yeah, and I may have been mishearing this, hearing that, but does the the building of the practice, is that does that tend to precede the enlisting these uh mobility iot vendors is there an order to that
4: yeah well the order is hey what's really hot coming down the pipe and that's why i made the comment i think that's a big marketplace that no one's got a great scalable way to approach once you determine that it does start on the supply side so we've got to curate a portfolio once we have confidence that that's coming together then we build out the internal process and expertise and training to take it to market So it's kind of like a three or four step process. We've done it in UCAS, I believe we were the first to do that like over 10 years ago. We've done it in IaaS, we've done it in Colo, we did it in SD-WAN. So we have a history of taking next gen practices to market, you know, a year or two year ahead of everybody else. And we take a lot of pride in that. It's actually how Avant was founded. We were cloud first and telco second. That was the only way to carve out our, our niche in this world and to be relevant to this community.
2: Well, anything, any final takeaways you have or uh, from this show or just anything you'd wanna tell trusted advisors before we close?
4: Well, I think this market, like I said in my keynote, is expanding by the day. It's gonna to continue to get bigger. And I think our, our business models and our approach in terms of how we deliver solutions is gaining more value in the eyes of everyone, especially the end client. And so my recommendation is, is get aggressive now. Uh, the window's open, the sands are shifting our way. And the more you can invest into your approach, either as a person or as a business, the, the more you're gonna gain down the road. And I think we're still like in the first inning of a nine inning game, which is absolutely uh, exciting too. And so we have a lot of tailwind behind us. I said those four key things today, reoccurring revenue, tailwind, disruption, next generation technology. Those four words get me excited because that's the world we live in and not everyone else has that opportunity. So when the opportunity is there, it's, it's, it's go time. And we're going to push it ourselves. So, join Avant, and be a part of that movement we talked about today. I think we're all going to have a lot of success.
2: Well said. Well, Ian, thanks so much for the time and the perspectives today.
1: Awesome. Thanks, James. Appreciate it.
2: Craig, uh, how'd you like that interview?
1: Uh, I loved it. It's uh, always nice to uh, talk with uh, some folks uh, who were formerly known as master agents. So uh, that's uh, another. Topic we can probably uh, dive into a little deeper uh, again on the next podcast, which I'd like to. In fact, you mentioned that uh, as one of our sessions, What's in a Name, the Rebranding of Master Agents uh, panel that we're going to have at the show next week. And I just bring that up because you've made the reference to brokers a couple of times in this podcast. I want our our castees to realize that uh, if they hadn't heard, uh, that's the direction that a lot of the uh, formerly known as Master Agents are going now calling themselves what are they calling them, technology service brokerages is uh, that what so it
2: is? technology solutions brokerages and then and then kind of trying to talk about what we would have called the the sub agents as just just technology brokers um
1: got, it. got and there, it and there's
2: some leeway on that but those are some of the general general uh nomenclature that, that we're adopting
1: oh it's good to hear good to hear uh, also enjoyed uh, hearing Ian talking about uh, you know so many times uh, agents have been hesitant to ask to be paid for consulting uh, type uh, practices, but uh, that's something it sounded like he was encouraging them to do.
2: Yeah, when I when I talked to partners at the show, they indicated that that many of them if they hadn't already moved towards a uh, paid consulting model that they were moving in that direction. And it does communicate the value of this industry to the outside world. Um, They might not, people that aren't familiar with the channel might not know what a technology broker is, but certainly a technology consultant, uh, that's something that they're gonna understand. So I think that bodes well for this industry as it moves up uh, towards larger and larger customers. Yeah. and uh, a rising tide, it lifts all ships.
1: Nice to see things going that direction. Also nice to see is the Channel Partners Conference and Expo, November 1st through the 4th. You and I, my friend, are gonna be arriving in town on Halloween. I'm I'm a little concerned that I'm gonna see a lot of uh, scary costumes. Do you share that opinion?
2: No, nothing can scare me after, uh, after 2020. That's,
1: <laughs> That's, all a That's a good point. All right, everybody, uh, leaving you with a closing song from 2005 because this is podcast number 105. Didn't want to get away from that, even though we hit you with the uh, Looney Tunes theme at the beginning, which was a perfect intro to the Channel Partners Conference and Expo pre-show edition. If you'd like to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James, uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, we'd encourage you to join us on the
2: flagship.
1: ChannelFutures.com. thanks for joining us and uh, we look forward to seeing you in just a few days
2: take care and be well everyone this is the you